Welcome to Feminine Hijinks, where we're here to reinvent that other side of 40 with sass, crass, and, and kicking ass. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Happy New Year, Suze. Oh my gosh. Happy New Year. We are recording on New Year's Eve day. We are, and we're not even drunk yet. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a few more hours. It sounded to me like Angie had a like jump start on that last night. I did. That's my poop. So I'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. It's a drunk poop. (laughs) Oh God, a drunken poop. (laughs) Those are the worst. (laughs) Well, my name is Angie Bailey, and my name is Susie Schubert. And today we're kind of taking a detour from what we were going to talk about. Yeah, we lied to you last time. We Sorry. lied to you. We got your hopes up and now hopefully <laughs> this will be a, a treat. So we were going to talk about when Harry met Sally, which is a New Year's sort of a themed uh, movie. And we also have just recently watched the HBO documentary on the Bee Gees, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart? And we were super excited about wanting to talk about it while it's fresh in our minds. So Harry and Sally took a back seat and (laughs) and instead Morris, Barry, Robin, and sometimes Andy is now in in the passengers in the driver's seats. They're in the hot seat. They're in the hot seat. Yes. They're stay love, stay love. Ah, I know. Ah, ah, oh, ah. what a great documentary. Oh, my God. I loved it so, so much. Yes, I did, yep, too. Yep. I did, too. And I love that they, you know, that they took it from the very beginning, you know, all the way, like the, the expanse yeah. of their career and everything they did from beginning to end is just amazing. They were such a talented family. And and I also love that they had um, uh, Noel Gallagher and one of the uh, Jonas Brothers commentating because they worked with their family. They were in bands yes. with their families too. And so I was, th- I was like, oh, that's really kind of cool. I loved that too. Yeah, so this documentary, I mean, you know, it's a band documentary, which you've probably seen a lot of those. But what I really liked about this, it wasn't it wasn't kind of like that E true Hollywood story, you know, mm-hmm. let's let's hear all the the bad things or whatever, you know. It wasn't like a Motley Crue documentary. Not <laughs> like surprise, the, dirt. the Bee Gees, the uh. Motley Crue. But it was very much about them as a family and how they worked and how they wrote these incredible songs. Mm-hmm. And th- I just found it so interesting in that way. And um and actually, it you know, Angie and I were both saying how it sort of left us kind of sad. It was sort of a melancholy kind of overview about because obviously they started out this family group, and then you you may know or may not know that Barry is the only one left at this point. Mm-hmm. All the other brothers have died at various times, and so that was really kind of sad to mm-hmm. me just to think of him. I know. You know. I mean, how much pain alone? would that be? I and uh, Morris and Robin were twins. Yeah, and, which I had forgotten about. Yeah, and and they, I don't even think they look alike. Maybe Not they're at fraternal. All. They must yeah. be fraternal. Yeah, yeah. they are. Because yeah. one was born like twenty five minutes or ten minutes before something the other one, like or something that, funny yes. like that. <laughs> and then Andy, of course. You know, I'm glad that they brought him in and you know showed how he joined them on stage and you know his own um career which you know was a a standalone career just by itself 
Well, I think probably people of our generation, unless you were really, you know, really into these bands and to the point where you're researching a lot about them. And I know in my younger days when I heard the Bee Gees and went into the Bee Gees, I sure didn't think anything of them beyond that moment. But it was really interesting to learn their career did not just start with staying alive. No. And for me, that's how I think of the Bee Gees. Mm -hmm. So that's to me what was so interesting about this documentary too. Like you said, just how prolific they really were and how they started performing when they were so young. They were like these young guys. They were so cute. And their little blazers. (laughs) And the things that they were like singing was so adult, even Uh though they were, you know, they weren't like the Beatles doing these, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were like writing these really like kind of serious songs and this kind of voices for these young kids to have. I don't know. It just was, they were kind of really ahead of their time. They're like old souls to me. Yeah, they were. And I love that they got along. Like they're sure there were things that happened here and there, but it wasn't like um, they ever broke up at any time because they couldn't get along together. Well, I thought that actually Barry and Robin sort of had that rift because they both wanted to be the lead singer. That's true. But they didn't break up, though, did they? Yeah, they did for a little while. Okay. Yeah, they did for a little while. It just wasn't one of those, like, dramatic, at least from the outside. Right. Like like I said, like these other rock bands you hear about, you know, all these dramatic things going on and Mm -hmm. drugs and all this. And, you know, Barry does kind of talk a little bit about how they both were kind of dabbling in alcohol and drugs and it sort of like waylaid them a little bit, but it wasn't like, I think Morris did go into treatment though, didn't he? Or, or he just quit. I can't remember. I can't remember either. He was sober, but I don't know. It didn't necessarily seem that that was what was the downfall of the band. It was more like, okay, you know, we're, it was kind of that clash between the personalities but also the whole like disco thing. So that to me, I think was what surprised me or or what I learned the most from this documentary. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you felt about that, Ange, but like it was so interesting to learn about where disco came from mm-hmm. and how it was brought into the world. And so many people joke about disco. Disco is terrible. Disco is just this you know, maybe almost the first sort of electronic music that was happening where Mm -hmm. people would say that's not real music. Mm -hmm. But this documentary really talks about how disco was born sort of in these underground clubs because in New York, back where these clubs were really a big thing back in the day, there was a law where same-sex people could not dance together in a place that served alcohol. Yeah, I was I like, know. That I didn't so know that. Specific. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so they had one of the owners of one of those like so they so they would create these underground clubs mm-hmm. that basically wouldn't take anybody else, um, people that were gay. Uh, people of color, yeah, they would go to these underground clubs that were probably very secretive. You had to know someone or know the secret password or whatever to get into. (laughs) And this music was kind of created for them to dance. And so the beginning of disco was probably a lot of funk, a lot of cool, you know, and then and then to hear this guy talk about how, of course, then the law changed and people started realizing that this big movement was happening. So all these executives decided to cash in on that, and they created the whole disco thing. And then it became very mainstream, and then the music really did start to suck, like disco duck. Disco duck, yeah. 
God, the worst, that song was the worst. I've always terrible, that song. terrible. And I thought too that you know when they had that record burning at the <gasps> in the stadium, and I, I was talking to Chris. I'm like, I just don't. I don't get like the things that they were burning weren't disco records. Like they didn't really understand what disco is or where it came from. It was just, and Chris is like, yeah, it's a disco culture that they were, you know, upset about and they really were railing against. And, but it just was like, yeah, I mean, after learning about the beginnings of it, yeah, like I, it felt like they, do they even know any of this because if they did would they be burning but it did it did become like disco duck is way different than right. some of the earlier disco stuff so i i don't know i feel like there, there's two different kinds of disco and and there's and it's legit and after learning about you know how some of these songs were recorded and how they got the beats and all these other things it's it's not just throwaway music no. And what really hit home to me is when they talked to an usher at this. So apparently, I think it happened a lot, but there was this DJ who was very anti-disco and he staged this big thing at a baseball game in Chicago um, where at halftime, everybody, in order to get in, you had to bring a disco album to be burned. And one of the ushers, who was a black man, was looking at these albums going, wait a minute, this is like Stevie Wonder. I know. And a right. lot of black, they were all black artists, mm -hmm. maybe possibly gay artists. I don't know if that was really, you know, widely known. A lot of that was being hidden back then. But but artists that didn't fall into necessarily disco. It was a lot of soul. Mm -hmm. And that Usher was really realizing that this wasn't about the music. This was yet another bigoted you know, anti-freedom yeah. or, you know, to be who you are mm -hmm. sort of thing. And that, again, just made me sad and it just made me go, wow. Once again, you know, this this sort of thing that keeps happening, like with the George Floyd thing now, it just keeps repeating itself in these cycles. It does. And of course, I was too young to understand it or know about any of that totally. going on back then. And there's so much ignorance behind it. And hatred, like and why? Hatred. Why do people care? Mm -hmm. Why are people so violent about disco? And now I know why. Because yeah. to them, what it stands for is, you know, these these horrible people that that scare them because they're different. Right, like Studio Fifty Four crowd, which oh looked God. like a ton of fun to me. Oh, like, <laughs> I, oh, I would have been there every night. I oh know. my God! Seriously, yeah, yeah. No, I just I. I loved it. And I um, had read, too, that they have sold over 120 million records worldwide. Wow. 120 yeah. million. And they were, you know, mostly um, they did. They ended up being songwriters more than anything. And, yeah. you know, the whole uh, Islands in the Stream. Like, I didn't know they wrote that. Oh, yeah, I did. Well, and what's sad is the whole thing, everyone turning against disco was what made them turn against the Bee Gees. Uh -huh. And a lot of us think that Bee Gees are, were disco artists, but they weren't. They got asked to be on that soundtrack for Saturday Night Fever, and they hit huge with that. And so people just labeled them as a disco band, mm -hmm. whereas they did a lot of different genres of music. They weren't really just one genre, no. but unfortunately they went down with the disco shit. They did. And that's <laughs> and, and once they got into the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack is when they told Barry to use his falsetto. Before that, he didn't use it. 
right? That was so fascinating uh-huh. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way that people, you know, make fun of them or try, you know, that that's all looped into that whole, you know, putting them in that disco box and whatever. And I mean, I, I do love his falsetto, but that's not how they always were. Well, and the fact that the using the falsetto is used by a lot of soul and black artists. Yes. And even though, you know, they do say that that they were very influenced by black artists, mm-hmm. but people don't realize they weren't the first ones to do that. No. No. You know? No, no they weren't. They weren't. But yeah, so I just was, I don't know, I I loved so much. Some stuff I knew, some stuff I didn't, which I thought was um, was kind of fun. And I don't know, like I have to say that my favorite BG songs were the ones from their earlier years. I Started a Joke is one of my all-time favorite songs. Really? And it is, it is. And also like one of my favorite artists, Morrissey, the lead singer of The Smiths, covers it. And so that's how I first learned about it. Then I went back and heard Robin's version of it. And then the New York Mining Disaster song, which is also one of my favorite songs. This sounds exactly like the Beatles. And that song I was reading um, before I came in here, that they used that as a ploy to get radio play because people thought they were the Beatles. That song sounds exactly like the Beatles. I know. So those two, I, I just, I love, I love that sound um but then as far as like the uh the disco type sound i gotta say jive talking is the best to me oh my god and i love so in the documentary they talked about they were recording in this uh, miami recording studio Mm -hmm. and to get there they had to drive over typically like in florida there's like canals that you have to go over Mm -hmm. and so this little bridge or whatever that they drove over made this sound or whatever. And so Barry was saying, you know, they'd go over that so many times a day, going back and forth to the studio. He started to kind of sing, came a beat to him. And all of a sudden he just one day started going, jive talking. And that's what created that song. I know. I just love that. And I've always loved jive talking. But when he said that, I'm like, that's brilliant. I love it even more. Like, it's fantastic. It, it, I think that's, I that's one of the cool things about these behind the musics is that you do learn sort of the, you know, the origins of things that you just sort of take for granted or you think are just yeah. like, you know, these things that that producers make up. But they're, I mean, truly creative artists are inspired by you know, sounds they hear in nature and, and other yeah, things they find, yeah. they see and hear beats everywhere. Well, and, and on those, on that note, (laughs) I, yeah, I loved like learning about how they write because, you know, every musician's different. They all do things differently, but how the, this group would come together and may, they might have like kind of an idea and then they would all work on it and basically write the lyrics and all that sitting right there in the studio. Yes. I'm like, what? That is just genius to me because them being together was when the magic happened, not on their own. Right. Which I just think is so cool. And the other thing, one of my favorite things from this documentary was actually they were talking to Chris Martin. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't necessarily know why him, like I understood the brothers made sense because they talked about having a family dynamic. And interesting, the cool thing about that was like, it makes sense when you think of three people from the same family are going to blend together because they kind of have that same, like the making of their throat and voice. And so isn't that cool? I never thought about that before. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, But Chris Martin saying, songwriters don't really write songs. 
you receive them. Mm. And I love that so much because as a songwriter in the past and a writer now, and I'm sure you get that too, that's when you hit your zone of genius. Like all of a sudden it just comes and you don't know where it comes from, but you hit the stride and it doesn't happen all the time, Mm -mm. but sometimes, and you can't necessarily will it to come, No, but you'll be writing and it'll just flow and everything just hits. It's so interesting, isn't it? And I, I love the way he said that because that is so so true. Me too. Me too. And I, I love you and I hit that stride together when we write sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes we're we like hit a the wall. Bee-gees. I know. But sometimes <laughs> we just sit down and we're like, okay, how about this? How about this? How about this? And then we're both like, oh my God, this is, a, this is exactly what we were looking for. This is perfect. So I, yeah, it's awesome. Okay. So if, which BG are you? Who's your favorite BG? Like, did you have a different one before this documentary? Well, I've just always been a fan of Robin. You have? I love Robin's I love that. He scared voice. me as a child. He is scary. He is scary. And in the video of like I... Steven Tyler did. Oh, God, yeah. In the video of I Started a Joke, like years ago, uh, my friend Nikki and I would watch the video because we liked the song. But then, like, he looked really unfortunate in some of those shots. Unfortunate. He's, well, he's kind of, he's got a, it's kind of a tooth issue, you know, and he, he's just sort well, well, anyway, so we would take screenshots of that video and use them for our Facebook profile pictures. This is like oh, five years Robin. ago. I know. Poor Robin. I know. But I just, I love his voice. I love the ballads. I just, I, I, I just, I really prefer him and his sound and he was also really sort of the gentle one like he just seems so like sensitive and gentle and I read too that when he was a child he was a pyromaniac and his oh mom my God. his That's mom hilarious. used to call him firebug <laughs> and he was the funniest one of the group but the most quiet which I uh-huh. think is really interesting yeah it's How about so you? funny I love that you're such an old soul with that Ange because even today I'm like a child like when I hear his voice, it makes me laugh because I don't know. It it honestly kind of drives me crazy. That really? he has like a holy laughing. It's like Tiny Tim to me. <laughs> it kind of is. You're right. Yes, yes. So I love that about you that you find the beauty in that. I love the Bee Gees together, but when they're on their own like that, it 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 is a little annoying to me. I oh, have that's to admit. funny. That is funny. But I think after watching, well, of course, the heartthrob boy crazy in me always loved Andy Gibb because, mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was cute. so cute. He was a cute and little druggie. Yeah. And the Bee Gees <laughs> at that when I was young, too, were kind of old, you know, they right. weren't like, but Andy Gibb, oh, he was, you know, he was super cute and whatever. But after watching all this, my favorite is Morris. Tell me why. He's just... Like it said, he was the glue that held those guys together. Mm-hmm. He didn't care necessarily. I mean, I'm sure he did in his own way because you have to in order to be in a band and have that drive. But he didn't care about making it big or his ego really wasn't a part of it. I felt like for him, it was more about making the music mm-hmm. and being with his brothers. He just had that way about him that was like you were saying about Robin. To me, he was a very calming presence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and... I don't know. There was just something about him that Aww. I just loved after watching this documentary. So yeah, it, it was cool. Favorite. I mean, really, I this was the first time that I could really see the difference in their personalities because I've never seen anything. I mean, right. yeah. So it was really kind of cool. And I want to mention one thing before I forget. Um, and I can't remember why they did this, and maybe you'll remember. But when they 
were recording staying alive what somebody was sick or not there and so they ended up using the loops from night fever at the beginning to get the song going do you yes, remember that wasn't scene? That interesting. I think yeah. it was the drummer. Yeah, the drummer. Yeah. yeah, for some reason he couldn't. Oh, somebody make it to died. Those sessions he had to or... go. He had to go back to England because somebody yeah. died. Yeah, or his mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's or something. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So that's right. And that was like when you think about it, that was probably one of the first loops mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, it was awesome. So interesting. Yeah. So I think my favorite BG song. It's hard for me to pick. But it would either be um, Nights on Broadway. Oh, that's good. Or Lonely Days. Oh, that's a good one, too. But yeah, yeah. There's they're, something and they're really, different. Yeah. And there, there's something what I've always loved about they have like these haunting melodies mm-hmm. that just kind of get inside you, you know, even though a lot of their songs are fun and dancey, but they're complicated, Yeah, you know, yeah. and and you just have to appreciate the musicianship and the, the way that they write. And um, I have an interesting, oh, okay, but before I do that, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm giving you the zinger at the end of this conversation. BG memory. BG's memory from when you were a child, for me, it would be um, roller skating, mm-hmm. for sure, going to the roller rink. I mean, they were playing all the Saturday Night Fever songs at the yeah. roller rink, and then also my disco ball. Because I would listen to Saturday Night Fever in my room with the disco nice. ball and I would dance. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you're a couple of years older than me. So I was, it was more, you know, like Journey and Ario Speedwagon when I was skating. Oh, sh- oh yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 So that like the early 80s is when I would go. But um, when I think about them, all I could think about is the double album. Like that's, and, and you would open it up and you would pour over every picture and cool. like every and yeah and also that uh, my mom's friend took me to see it at the drive-in when I was seven Saturday night people that's not a chil- children's oh movie oh my god well that's like watching Grease when you don't exactly it was a double really feature of Grease and Saturday Night Fever <laughs> at the drive-in of course it was it was yes. the John Travolta double feature oh god yeah amazing but that yeah so but I love the idea of your disco ball because we just talked about that last week or two weeks ago I know, so isn't that, that funny? Yeah, that's and me awesome. dancing in my room all by myself. Fantastic. <laughs> I should be dancing. Yeah. And you all know what song myself? I've been thinking about all day? And I and I was like, why am I thinking about why? Because it wasn't um because but it was that Dionne Warwick song, Heartbreaker. Yes. Why do you have to be, be a, a heartbreak? Heartbreak. I Here, love let me that flare, song. Let me flare my nostrils. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dionne Warwick. Wasn't she the psychic friends network too? Oh my gosh. She was Walter Mercado speaking of you wearing your are you wearing your shirt I am I have my Walter Mercado shirt and look at this cool like cardigan open cardigan thing that uh Vivian got me for Christmas that looks so comfortable and soft I know and so I'm totally going into the new year channeling Walter Mercado and like magic. Nice. Goodbye, 2020, man. We are going to make the magic next year. All of us. Hell yes, we are. I love it. Was What were you most surprised to learn in all of this, do you think? I mean, we kind of talked about it a lot with the Bee Gees, but 
Was there something that really stood out to you in this process of the documentary? <laughs> well, I, what I wrote about, what I, I wrote down was that the um, the the jive talking, you know, that the little clippy noise yeah. at the beginning. That I because that's like as soon as you hear that, you know what song's coming on. And so yes. I, I loved learning about that. And then then the islands in the stream, like I. I I don't know why I didn't know that. It was so popular in the 80s. Yeah, and then that song they did with Barbara Streisand. I love that song too. I used to own I that am album. A woman in love. I listened to yeah. that album all the time. It was a white album and it was or a white cover Guilty. and I had a stereo system that I got for Christmas <laughs> and I would listen to that over and over again. It was fantastic. Of course you did. Yes. I love that. Well, my surprise is actually something I read afterwards, and the interesting thing was that it was not even mentioned in the mm. documentary. They had a sister. Oh, I didn't they know They had a sister named Leslie, huh. and she actually um, performed with them. She had a great voice, too, musical talent, and I think there was a some tour or one, maybe one show, I don't remember, where Robin was sick and he couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. So she stood in. Wow. And so she performed with them. But her whole thing was she didn't want any of it. She didn't want the fame. She didn't want to be a part of any of that. So it was her choice to not get involved at all. And the fact that they didn't even mention her kind of bothered me in the documentary. Because right. I kept, you know, acting like Barry's all alone now. He doesn't have any of his family. Uh -huh. Well, she's still alive and well. Interesting. But I also wondered if maybe that was her stipulation. She didn't want to be mentioned because maybe, you know, she just doesn't want any of that attention. Yeah. How yeah. interesting, isn't it? Totally. And is she younger? Uh, good question. I don't remember where she lies in the, yeah. you know, in where they are. Yeah. But I just remember Barry, one of the things that made me sad was like, he was like, I ref I still haven't come to terms with their deaths of his brothers. Yeah. But he, so he refuses to say that they're dead. He just thinks they're in another place. Wow. Aww. That is incredibly sad. Incredibly sad. Which I sad. love, though. I love yeah. that, you know? Yeah. I know. I know. It's it, it's very sweet. And it must be something special to be able to have that kind of relationship with your siblings that you share, like the biggest part of your life together, I this know. passion that you all share. Just amazing. Yeah. I know. I know. But then like for him to say that, but then he has a sister. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I don't know. It was just kind of a strange. They couldn't have named the band the Brothers Gibb then. The Brothers Gib. You know, I, I forgot. To, I was going to look up and I forgot where they got the name BGs. They didn't talk about that. Isn't it it's the like, Brothers Gib? Is it? The BGs. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. Well, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm almost 100% sure. That's what I've always thought. Oh, was that from the doc? Was that in the documentary? And I no, missed it? no, but I've. I've heard it or I've read it or yeah. something because when I first well, it totally heard it, I'm like, sense. oh, well, okay, then that totally makes sense. Yeah. BGs. Yeah. BGs. Yeah. So I don't know. So but everybody, anyway. you know, listen to the BGs today. And if you get a chance, that documentary is on HBO. So unfortunately, I don't think it's available to anybody who wants to watch it unless you have HBO or do you know if it's on anything else, Ange? I don't know. I saw it on HBO, but you can probably get, you know, a free trial. Ooh, yeah, and, uh, totally. And watch it and then yep. duck out. So, so yeah. it's called How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? Yes, two thumbs up. Two thumbs up, three. 
If I had three. If you had three, yes. Yes. I would put that one up too. <laughs> so what's your poop? <laughs> Let's go into the ladies' room and we'll, All right. we'll bring Barry with us. Come on, Barry. All right. Come on, Barry. No, I want to bring Morris. And oh, Leslie. Yeah, I can't. Well, unless I challen- channel them, well, which you- actually goes... What? I was going to say, well, you've got the Walter juju right now. You probably could. That's true. That's true. And, you know, they wouldn't have any qualms about going into the ladies' room. No, they would not. Oh, my God. Those outfits they wore. Those pants. I know. The best. (laughs) The best. The best. So it actually fits in perfectly with my poop as I sit here channeling. Um, I wanted to let everybody know about my free tarot readings I'm doing right now. So uh, the cool thing is, uh, cool to me anyway, is I always love learning about things from history or whatever that I never thought about or knew about. And of course, in like the fact that I'm reading tarot now and everything, I'm always interested in anything that has to do with magic or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know what made me look at this, but I started thinking about the three wise men, like this whole story about the three wise men. Who were these guys? You know, they, and I talk about it in my blog or whatever, that they actually weren't kings. They were just guys that were well to do. And so people just assumed they were kings. Mm-hmm. And they were actually magicians and astrologers and sorcerers. Ooh, cool. I know. And they, they, they followed astrology. So they saw this star in the sky, and they knew that it it was the foretelling of something big. Mm. And it wasn't until, you know, it's a long story, but they like talked to King Herod, and Herod was like, this king is being born, and I'm feeling threatened by this, and you need to go find him and tell me about him so I can find him and kill him. Mm-hmm. And that's what they gave them the idea that, oh, there's this important person that has been born. We should go bring him some presents and check him out. And then they were so moved by this king of kings that they didn't decided not to go back and tell uh, Herod about him. So it's just a really interesting thing, like to learn about these three magi. Don't you find that fascinating? I think it's fascinating. And I think it... It opens the door. Uh, of course, I'm going to offend somebody here. It opens the door <laughs> to maybe you writing some some uh, nativity fan fiction. <laughs> oh my God, I love you so much. Like, right now. Give us a give us some backstory about these magi. Tell us what they're doing when they're not in the, the by the manger. Fan- oh my God, you have no idea how my wheels are spinning right now. And they but- look just like the Bee Gees. <laughs> Oh, God, we're so going to hell. And they were all giving them names, too. They had names. But anyway, so I decided also another thing I learned with all of this, it was like all these aha moments that the 12 days of Christmas, I always thought it was the 12 days leading up to Christmas. It's actually the 12 days after. It starts Christmas Day, 12 days after, and it actually is all around the Magi. It's around when they actually, because, you know, everything's made up for syndication, yeah, these stories. Totally, yes. They had the the kings there at the same time, um, the magi at the same time that the baby was born. That's not true. They actually came like much later. In fact, I read something that they didn't even come until Jesus was, like one or two. <laughs> they probably brought him like frankincense, and he was like, "Thanks, I think. Oh. Can I have a ball or something? Okay. <laughs> Some Legos? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, really. So, um. 
I decided, you know, just being all excited about my tarot readings, I want people that think they're weird and skeptical uh, to be able to have a reading and understand how it's really helpful for you to like, it's not going to tell your future. It's not some weird witchcrafty thing. It's just a way for you to kind of dig into what's already there in your mind and help you sort of figure out things that, you know, direction you want to go or help inspire you. Absolutely. And so that's what I thought, you know, the Magi, the gifts of the Magi, I'm going to give away 12 readings. Nice. Um, so every day for the 12 days of Christmas, I'm giving away a three card reading. It's a past, present, future reading that gets emailed to you. Um, so it gets right into your email box. And the interesting thing about that is a lot of people think that you can't really get a good reading not being in person, but you can. It's really mm -hmm. interesting. So anyway, that's on my Instagram. Woo. So if you go to my Instagram, which is Manifest Badassery, every day I post um, about the reading of the day. You know, today was day seven. So if you want to go there and just comment, I'm in, I want a reading. And then I do randomly, I literally take dice and I roll the dice from the number in order that people commented. Nice. And that's who wins the reading every day. Very so, cool. Yeah. So, um, but I do ask, you can only win once, but if you want to keep trying, if you just want to make sure and get on every day, it's easier for me to keep track if they're all on one day versus, well, I commented on the first one and I still want to be in. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure all you guys knew, because I don't know if you follow me on, you know, my own website or whatever, but I just wanted our... our you know, ladies room peeps to be in on it if they want to be, if they're yes. interested. And you do a fantastic job with readings. I encourage everybody to, you know, get a reading from you at some point because you're very, you're very naturally gifted. Oh, thanks, my friend. You're welcome. You're welcome. You say that to all the girls. I say that to all the tarot readers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah, I think that's really exciting and a really cool, um, you know, a very cool angle to take. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, we all should find a way to share the gifts that we have with others. And yeah, so that's what I wanted to do to go nice. into this new year. Love it. Yay. Love it. All right. So what's your poop here in this ladies room? Today? In this ladies room. Okay. Well, in this ladies room. <laughs> This band that Chris and I really like called the New Standards, they're a local band, and the the pianist from it is from, um, he's the lead singer of the suburbs, and then um, John Munson is, uh, he's in uh, Trips Shakespeare. Like, so it, they're all like local, and then there's a um, a vibraphone player, right? So they sound, and, and John cool. plays the stand-up bass. So it's a very like jazzy, but they call them New Standards because it's their take on old songs not old oh, I songs love that. but but like um they they do like uh new order bizarre love triangle post you know postal service a lot of like 80s um new wave type songs and 90s songs but they're all like really swingy and jazzy oh cool and super duper good and they do um a holiday album too which is you know where we saw them last year at the oh, state I would theater love that. yeah so they do really great holiday music and they're irreverent and fun and they are super duper talented so anyway they do a show every year the night before new year's eve and it's at the dakota jazz club on uh nicollet mm -hmm. mall here and so they did it last night but they did a, a live feed so you could purchase you know to go 
online and then uh, you have access to that link for till you know for a few weeks and so we watched it live because we want to watch it live and they were just a fantastic fabulous and so yeah we had a few cocktails and they had been drinking <laughs> since four they said so they were very much in a jolly mood too and oh, it was just hilarious just so so good yeah yeah i'm trying to think if they were um they they play a lot of bowie um cool they, yeah i mean they just do all kinds of well chan pauling is the lead singer of suburbs and also in the span and uh he his voice sounds a lot like Bowie, and he uh, has often performed at the uh, the the Bowie Cat Shelter Benefit at First Avenue that happens every oh. June. So he, you know, oftentimes, but they always have you know guests at their holiday shows. Like last year, I think I told you guys that John C. Riley was because he's oh, that's a right. friend of those yeah. guys. Yeah. So anyway, so we watched that, and it was fun. It was like we were on a date. And we were picking out what our favorite songs were. And uh, it, it was just, yeah, it was really fun. It was a good time. But yeah, we were a little tipsy. And you and I were texting about Little House on the Prairie. And <laughs> oh I'm my like, God, we were laughing. <laughs> and she's like, so much vodka. <laughs> <laughs> so much vodka. Oh my God. And here's a here's a picture of Sweaty Poff that I took earlier today for your viewing pleasure. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and I sent a boomerang of Mrs. Olson having a little fit. <laughs> So good. Oh, my gosh. It was fun. So that was like one of my favorite parts of the night is that we got to have this little interaction while we're watching this show. And it's just it was so good. So anyway, if you ever um, are interested in something like that, look them up. They're called the New Standards and they're a local Minneapolis band and they are fantastic. I love that. And I love how, again, in this new world we're in right now, we won't be here forever, mm -hmm. but we need to find a way to enjoy the things that we used to do. Yes. And that was one of your favorite things to do is to mm -hmm. attend concerts. So you're still finding a way to attend them. Yeah. And, you know, it's still fun and you make it special. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that so much. And we lit candles and had our drinks. Aww. It was just a very, it was very nice. So anyway, so that's it. So what do we have next week, girl? Ah, next week, I think because, of course, we'll be in the new year. Um, I think we're going to talk about how we hate New Year's resolutions and what we do instead. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, so it's going to be great. And we might have talked about this already, but you know what? I think it needs to be revisited every year. I think so, too. Absolutely. Because I think people feel pressure around resolutions and yeah. they feel like they fail if, you know, they don't follow something to the letter. And it's just it's a bunch of like bollocks. Bollocks. Yes. It's hooey. It's, it's bah humbug. It's, it is. It's balls. Balls, said the queen. <laughs> if I had them, I'd be king. And the king laughed because he had to. <laughs> on that note <laughs> on that note we want to invite you back every Monday <laughs> on feminineijinxpodcast.com and also anywhere you listen to podcasts we are there and Facebook and Instagram and um, as as uh, Susie mentioned she's also got Instagram manifest badassery and mine is Angie Bailey author and I think it's sort of the same on Facebook but you can find us sort of during using those same handles but anyway and patreon patreon.com yes. forward slash yes. feminine hygiene's podcast yes <laughs> there we go i had to He's stop and think about her. it 
her paper today and doing a fine job, I have to say. Good Aww. thing you, you're over that vodka. At I least know. for a few more hours until you get going I, again. Seriously. I'm like, so Chris, what time do we start celebrating tonight? He's like, well, what time are you off your call with your mom? <laughs> But we got we're gonna some errands and stuff to run, but it's gonna be fun. And you and I are gonna touch base with our guys and have a little toast at some point. Yeah, we're gonna have a New Year's Eve toast. I think we're gonna do shrimp cocktail. So are we? Champagne. Oh my god! Yeah, we'll have to have it together. Fun. Yes, very good, (laughs) very good. So yeah, so that's all we got for you, folks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We'll see you next uh, week. Next year. Next year. Uh See you next year. Love another indoor sports. XOXO. Bye. Bye.